Hi, this is Robin Sparkman, Wellesley Class of 91 and StoryCorps CEO. At StoryCorps, we believe in preserving and sharing humanity's stories in order to build connections between people and create a more just and compassionate world. As a part of that vital work, we have partnered with Wellesley College to capture the stories of this truly unique community. Today, we're going to hear from alumni across the decades who recalled their experiences as women of color on campus. I hope you enjoy hearing about the remarkable ties that bind the women of this Wellesley community. My name is Judy Bigby. I'm 67 years old, and I'm at Wellesley College, and I'm here with my partner, who is a Wellesley sister and fellow alum. Karen, we're here this weekend celebrating 50 years of Ethos, which was the black student and organization that you helped to found in 1966 or 1968, <laughs> depending on whose history we're looking at, to be able to go from five students in your class to 57 in my class in a three-year period is quite remarkable and shows the commitment the college made because of the pressure pressure, pressure from a small number of people, students. Yes. Can you talk about what that was like? Sure. When we, in 68, demanded some changes, we wanted Wellesley to immediately admit 20 black students, and I believe this is after, you know, the enrollment, the admissions period was closing. And we were not very successful, and that probably wasn't a realistic goal, but nevertheless, it, it made the point that change needed to happen quickly and that we were not going to be satisfied with platitudes of, and, you know, don't worry, next year or the year after that. But there was a, a lot of conversation about how to get the numbers for the following year. And there definitely was a feeling by many at the college that qualified black students didn't really exist. Wellesley did commit at the time, you know, to put people in the admissions office and to hire students to go out in 19, I guess, 68 and the summer of 1969 in order to raise the numbers of applicants, which therefore would translate to the number of students who did matriculate. So it was I, quite a, quite impressive. Yeah, and I think there are lessons to be learned mm-hmm. from that experience. Mm-hmm. As soon as you make the commitment and you reach out to right. the right audiences, right. you can diversify. Right. And so it's a matter of doing things differently, right. not just depending right. on trying the same techniques, the same and, things. Right. right. When we started. It, you didn't think, okay, in 50 years, people are going to be so glad you did this. I mean, it was we reacted to a problem, and we worked together, and we made some things happen. And so all of this has um, just sort of continued through the leadership of those who have come after us. Glad to see it as strong as it is. It's absolutely amazing to be experiencing this 50 years and having Paula presiding as the president of the college. I sort of feel like I owe you a lot as well because 
I know if I had not come to Wellesley as a freshman in 1969, I would not have achieved what I've been able to achieve in my life. And you have achieved quite a bit, so we're <laughs> very proud of you. Again, thank you for making it all possible for us. I am Pamela, also known as Pam, with two M's McNeil. I am 57 years old as of two days ago, and we are at Wellesley College. And my relationship to Tracy Strain is that we are classmates. I was surprised when I got to campus that some people had the audacity to suggest that the only reason that I was chosen to come here was because of a quota. And while I don't think I internalized that, it's something that pop, would pop into my head. I, I it had never even given a thought. I did well in school. I got really good grades. Mm-hmm. I was a our gymnastics team was the third in the state of Pennsylvania. It was like, there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that I, throughout, throughout my whole childhood, I had always done excellent things. But once you hear something like that, you can't unhear it. Correct. Mm-hmm. So did you battle against that thought, which may have kept you from being more involved in ethos? Well, mm-hmm. I was a shy person, and I was raised... my. My mom was one of these people to sort of help shield us from racism. Mm-hmm. It was like, do your own thing, you know, have your own stuff, don't borrow things. Because anything that happened, mm-hmm. it was always blame the black kid. So I got literature from Ethos and Harambe House. And I, there was part of me that when I got it, I, I, it confused me in a certain mm-hmm. way. It was like, are they saying that this is the place I, like, this. you, you need to be here because this is where the black people are as opposed to thinking this is a place where you can draw support because these are people that have had similar experiences. Because this, I didn't have a community, a big community of black friends. It wasn't until I got to Wellesley that I had a re- really close black female friend. Wow. Now, so for me, my parents wanted me to go to a, a historically black college, and I was very not wanting to entertain that. Because in my mind, it didn't seem to be as big of a challenge. And that may be a stereotype that I have. But from a social perspective, it wasn't going to be as big of a challenge. And being in the Washington area, I'd been up on Howard's campus many times, as well as my parents' alma mater, as well as a lot of the other schools. And one of the things I noticed about historically black colleges, and I think it's just part of human nature, is that people will find a way to separate themselves. So on historically black colleges, because they're all predominantly black, it's very much either a class issue or it's a geographical issue. So like at Howard, they would have these geography clubs. So everybody from Los Angeles, the California club and and the Florida club. So I'm like, well, why would you go to college to go and be around the people that you grew up with? So when I got to Wellesley, the black women here, I saw immediately that there was such a wide diversity of of women from all kinds of backgrounds. So there were really wealthy black women, and there were women who were from inner city, you know, really rough situations. And then here I was, I think I was raised in the middle, but there here was a place where we all came together, and there was this this wealth of life experience and talent and all of that, all of the things that make Wellesley what Wellesley is, but then there was within it this microcosm of black women. So after that first 
couple of encounters, it was like, oh, I just fed off of it because it was just like, oh, my gosh. But it would have been highly unlikely for me to have maybe gotten to know, say, this black woman from inner city L.A. had I not come to Wellesley. My name is Malika Jeffreyzell, um, Wellesley College class of 1996. Hi, my name is Katrina Mitchell, class of 96 as well. Hello, my name is Shelley Davis. I graduated from Wellesley College in 1997, and I'm here celebrating the Ethos 50th anniversary with my classmates Katrina and Malika. So I recall at a party at Schneider Center looking outside to see a U-Haul truck that had come from Connecticut. And there were two young men who came out of the front truck and they pulled up the back and there were no less than 15 or 20 other young men who had ridden in this U-Haul from Brown to Wellesley College just to come to one of our parties. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a this is a great example of how very ingenious leaders um, who are both socially active, politically active on campus, decided to also think about the social aspect of living at Wellesley. I mean, to be frank, you know, the other um, groups on campus had their parties, and we wanted to have the same representation. I think that to me says something more just about not just the having fun part, Mm -hmm. but the reality that at an Ivy League school where we're often isolated, there weren't a lot of social opportunities for us to meet black men who were in college, professionally trying to do different things. And so the fact that we were able to create this environment and bring folks from community colleges to Boston College to Boston University, MIT, and Harvard in between means a lot and says a lot about who we were as women and the fact that as black women on campus, we weren't just Wellesley students. We also were black women in this world, right? Uh So people knew everywhere in Boston that if Ethos was having a party, you had to be there. Like you just could not miss that opportunity. And so I'm not sure that any other clubs on campus could really say that they were also an outreach ministry, quote unquote. (laughs) Our experiences, although kind of classic Wellesley women experiences, were different than that of our white counterparts. There's a lot of support and advocacy to fight for that which is important to the collective as women. But the same women also often disappear and don't agree that there's additional issues that are based on race. Mm-hmm. And it's it never ceases to amaze me how people could recognize that a percentage of the population can be oppressed based on their gender and yet not believe, even in the face of overwhelming evidence, how a percentage of the population is being victimized because of their of their race. Yeah. I mean I I, I was telling my mother I felt like I fought through my whole four years at Wellesley. <laughs> To, to make that clear. But as alumni, I think we have an opportunity to provide the right leadership and celebrating Ethos's 50th anniversary, mm-hmm. I think, reminds us that there's a reason why there were women 50 years ago who sacrificed and made sure that this was created. 
but there's a reason why there's a still still a need for it on this campus, especially particularly if we want this world to be different. If we're going to make the kind of leaders who are going to be change makers in this world, then we need women like us and more and more black women and women of color to be on this campus to get that experience and go back out in the world and do better. My name is Natalie Gill Mensa. I'm 36 years young. We're at Wellesley College in this beautiful new facility. And I am speaking with my best friend, line sister, lifelong buddy, Liz Miranda. Where did you think you were going to be when you grew up? That's an interesting question. Like, you know, I was thinking about the woman I was when I got on campus, right? I was this 17 year old girl from Roxbury. I was really rough around the edges and felt like I didn't know if I was ever going to leave the hood. I just remember my 17th birthday meaning so much to me because my mom got pregnant at 17 and dropped out of school and had me at 18. And she had been in this country three years. She was an immigrant, too, just like your family. And there was this like sort of sense of like 02119 was a zip code and that, that my life expectancy and my possibilities were determined by that. So I remember that I came with that little chip on my shoulder when I got to college. When I was at Wellesley, every day I saw banners and signs that say, we are women who will make a difference in the world. One of the things I thought about was like, how do I go back home right, and create a new narrative for girls who look like me? And that had everything to do with the self-esteem that I had built over two, three years, being in Idas, being at Harambe House, being in Africana Studies, where I was told that my black was beautiful, right? I was told that uh, we came from many different nations, but we are one. And so where I think I am today is I still am that girl who has dreams, right? But I'm a woman now with vision who understands that, like, I need another level of leadership. And I think that's why I've thought about, like, public office, right? Mm-hmm. That... Um, Every time I tell someone I went to Wellesley, it's like, well, Hillary went to Wellesley, right? And I'm so proud of her. But there are new heroes. There are new stories. There are other women who came to Wellesley, made a difference here, and are making a difference in their communities. And so I think the one thing that has changed for me was that I came to Wellesley not sure what was possible. But I left Wellesley knowing that nothing was impossible. Watching you grow and kind of being a part of your life for so many years, it has been amazing to watch you and your ability to impact so many people. Because you have this big, bright, exciting personality and you track lots of positive energy around you and you're passionate about youth development and community building and building bridges. People like me and friends and other sorority sisters are always asking, you know, when is she going to run for office? Like, we're ready. We've been planning in the background. So Liz Miranda is running for state representative, the 5th Suffolk District of Boston, Massachusetts. Does it seem real though? Like it's is it very for real. real. It's and, and, now. and Liz always is like in this place of disbelief or, you know, if it I don't know if it's the right time. I don't know if I'm the right person, but she's always been the right person and everybody around her has known. I don't know where I'd be as a woman or in my life if you weren't in my life. And I just want to say thank you for that. This win is possible because of you. You know, because you. you believe in me. And that's a really powerful thing when someone believes in you.
Hi, I'm Eklas Salim. I'm 28, and I'm here with my friend Diamond Sharp. What was going on racially in the country when we were in college versus now, where, right, Black Lives Matter, you see just obviously police brutality has always been there, but now it's just more exposed. There was a little bit, but then on a national level, that conversation wasn't happening to the extent that it is now. I think that current students probably are able to get information about things in ways that we weren't because Twitter wasn't a thing until we were juniors. Yes. Like it wasn't popular until we were juniors. And like Tumblr also, we were sophomores or juniors. So like we had the benefits of those social media platforms, but not for the entirety of our college experience. Whereas the students now, they've been on Tumblr and Twitter and Instagram since they were in high school, if not middle school. But I do think that just being in that age group, there will always be like these kind of flare-ups because people are coming from different backgrounds. What's the biggest flare-up you remember? Just the questions around whether or not Harambe House should exist. Yeah. I think that always came up in that students, you know, that were not of African descent felt like they were somehow being excluded from something. The biggest thing to me was, like, class here. We could have the conversation about race yeah. and religion and sexuality and so on and so forth, but that right. conversation about class, that's where the door closed. Exactly. People were so uncomfortable talking yeah. about that. And looking back on it, we shouldn't have been. We should have been having those honest conversations about people's class positions. Mm-hmm. And I know this sounds crazy to you, because I'm sure you probably know this from Chicago, but I'd never encountered black people that were so wealthy. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew all about that. Yeah. yeah, you knew all about that. But I legit, like, I didn't know anyone black in Atlanta that had that much money like sure like there are middle class levels right but no black person I knew like owned a yacht or or like spending their summers in France and I remember my first year I found it like a little difficult because people were like oh like let's go to dinners or like we're going shopping and I was like um I'm just trying to make it (laughs) I think that Wellesley in that case taught me how to co-switch I knew how to co-switch coming from, like, the town I was coming from. I just kind of learned how to co-switch as yeah. a child because I had to. But then Wellesley was, like, co-switching, finishing school. <laughs> I learned all the yeah. ways in which to, like, co-switch when you're in majority white spaces, yeah. which is, like, kind of education within itself, right? Yeah. And that's, like, not necessarily a sport, but black students who come to these type, types of elite schools, you do kind of learn how to, like, engage. Yeah. I have a degree in it. But I find, just looking at the research, right, that they, again, that for a lot of students who come to these schools, if they haven't had this experience prior to college, mm-hmm. that they kind of flounder because mm-hmm. they don't know how to code switch. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's something, too. And that's just something that makes people, it makes people uncomfortable. I attribute a lot of my professional success to Wellesley because that is where I learned it. Like, at first it was a shock, and then I was like, okay, girl, you got to get with the program. But because you can talk that talk when you go into a white workplace, and you're like, oh, yeah, I know that. I think that Wellesley does try to be open about that. Mm -hmm. And I will say that this college taught me, again, accidentally and sometimes on purpose about power, which has served me in my life after college because I can recognize that. I can see when these things are happening. 